Welcome to The Beaver Bulletin, your new favorite weekly podcast from Buena Vista University's The Tech. Here giving you all of the news and updates from the last week, I'm your host, Colin Imhoff, and don't forget to go check out all of the other great articles that The Tech has to offer. Let's see what's on the board for this week of October 4th, 2020. Today on the Bulletin Board, we've got an interview with BVU's new esports director, Trevor Berniking, the possibility of us still having a Halloween, and of course, it is homecoming week at BVU. All of that and more to come on this week's episode of the Beaver Bulletin. If you want to learn more about any of these stories, scroll on down to the description and you can go check out these articles for yourself. Now, for our first story. Our first story on the board comes from many colleges' newest sport, that would be Esports. If you don't know what esports is, it is a competitive gaming team for all types of games. For a while now, professional esports has been big, but has now begun to reach the college level. Just earlier this year, BVU decided to pursue an esports team, and I was able to sit down with the director of esports at BVU, Trevor Berniking. Here's what he had to say. Okay, Trevor, the first surreal thing I wanted to ask you was just what really uh, sparked the idea for the esports team and like what has the process been and like where are you now? Uh, so about a year ago, the President's Council or VPs came to Haley Davis and myself and asked us to start researching what it would take to get an esports team on campus. And then we got some students engaged, like Connor Brown, you know, went to these conferences, did a bunch of research, talked with different uh, esports organizations like NACE, which is the National Association for Collegiate Esports. There's Jesse Bodney from UniSports, who does a lot with esports. Talked with him. They do a lot, of, a lot of stuff helping set up esports programs, what we, what we should look into first what we need to focus on um, when, we, when we begin a, a program and then help kind of helped us throughout the whole process. Then in March, Haley and I went to a conference down uh, in Des Moines at Grandview University, you know, just went to a bunch of different sessions where they, you know, talked about how to get esports going, how does it impact your school, you know, all, all types of things like that. And then brought our information back uh, to, to Lucy. She brought it to, uh, at the time, President Merchant, and uh, they decided to go, go through with it. I, uh, so in May, um, we announced that we were getting the program. When we announced it, then I started pushing them to figure out how we were going to staff it. They decided to offer it to me. So since I uh, took, took it on, we had a designated area already in place, which was one of the old ICN rooms across from Tufix. So start working with facilities and IT, figuring out what we needed to do to, to get that room set up. Not only from, you know, equipment in there, but what updates do we need to do to make it competitive with some of the schools within the region that have it already. They're very gracious and give me a pretty good budget Got some signage in there, the beaver heads up. We have an esports logo that marketing created for the window decal. So it's very visible when you walk by. And then it was just a lot of what we needed to, to be successful and to make people want to come here when we recruit them. And we now have 12 gaming stations in there, 
fully set up to play, focusing on five different games right now, Overwatch, League of Legends, Apex Legends, Rainbow Six, and Rocket League. And just having some casual game nights as of right now. Uh, the last question I have for you is like, what are the biggest challenges you would say you faced during like this whole process of getting esports started? Um, I think since we've gotten started, the next biggest thing is is not only recruiting, but then figuring out what games are going to fit BBU esports the best. A big thanks to Trevor for sitting down and talking with me. Watch out for next semester as hopefully the esports team can start playing competitively. Next up on the board is the increase in absentee ballot requests in Buena Vista County. Absentee ballot requests are up an astonishing 50% in BV County. This is a result of many nonprofits across the state sending out absentee ballot requests to the whole county. This is good to see from Buena Vista County residents, as in the 2016 election, the total voter turnout was only about 67% of eligible voters, which is one of the worst in the state of Iowa, as the state's total turnout was about 73%. The absentee ballots in the state of Iowa were sent out earlier this week on October 5th. The state of Iowa is very lenient about the absentee ballot rules as anyone registered to vote may request one. The big question is, are more absentee ballots getting requested because of the pandemic or because more people are voting? Unfortunately, we won't know the answer to that question until after the election. If you haven't already, make sure to fill out your absentee ballot or remember to go vote in person. Do your civic duty as every vote really counts. Now to our third story on the board as Des Moines police are in the hot seat after arresting a journalist during the Black Lives Matter movement. Andrea Sahari, a journalist for the Des Moines Register who is covering the Black Lives Matter story at the time, pleaded not guilty to the charges she faced after being arrested at Merleheim Mall on May 31st. Sahari's charges were for interference with official acts and failure to disperse. During her arrest, she was pepper sprayed, handcuffed, and taken to jail. While Sahari claimed that she identified herself as a journalist, the officers on the scene did not agree. The problem with this is it violates the First Amendment rights of the press. The freedom of the press includes protection from arrest while covering news. After this incident, the Columbia University School of Journalism signed a letter asking Polk County attorney John Sacrone to drop the unjustified charges. Sahari had graduated with her master's from the Columbia University School of Journalism in 2019. This is not the only incident around the nation violating journalists of their First Amendment rights. There have been 57 reports of journalists being arrested while covering the Black Lives Matter movement since the end of May. Luckily, 50 of those charges have been dropped, and let's hope that the Des Moines police follow that trend. Moving to number four on the board is the president's return to the White House after contracting the coronavirus. If you haven't heard, on October 2nd, President Trump publicly announced that him and his wife tested positive for coronavirus and would begin a quarantine. On October 5th, Trump tweeted out that he would be returning to the White House that day. Trump states in that tweet, don't be afraid of COVID. Don't let it dominate your life. We developed, under the Trump administration, some really great drugs and knowledge. I feel better than I did 20 years ago. In Trump's return to the White House, four new staff members tested positive, including President Trump's top advisor, Stephen Miller. The total number of cases among the White House staff now sits at 14. Mark Meadows, the chief of staff, has received a lot of backlash from both the president and the public. This is in light of Meadows doing a poor job of explaining to the media Trump's condition and allowing the president to return to the White House so soon. 
This is not a good sign for the Trump administration as nearly the entire West Wing is empty. Hopefully all of the White House staff members can have a speedy recovery. Coming to the fifth story on the board is the possibility of us having a Halloween. While a lot of American traditions have been unable to happen this year, the CDC lets us know that Halloween does not have to be one of them. Of course, some changes will need to be made, but for the most part, a lot of Halloween activities can continue. Activities such as pumpkin carving and virtual costume contests are considered low risk, while activities like trick-or-treating door-to-door or going to an indoor haunted house are considered high risk. However, don't give up hope on trick-or-treating happening this year yet. The CDC rates trick-or-treating with individually wrapped goodie bags as only a moderate risk. Other things you can do in this spooky season and stay safe include watching scary movies, decorating your house or room, and finding a killer costume to win all those virtual costume contests. If you decide to go trick-or-treating, remember to wear your mask, not just the one for your costume, and to use hand sanitizer throughout the night. While some traditions do have to change, we can still have a happy Halloween. The final thing on the board is, of course, our events of the week, which is BVU Homecoming during the pandemic. This past week was Homecoming Week at Buena Vista University. Like many other events happening this year, Homecoming has not looked the same as it has in years past. Many traditions such as alumni visiting, triviathon, and the football game were unable to happen. Luckily, traditions like sunglasses and lip sync battles live on. Homecoming at BVU is planned every year by the Student Activities Board, or SAB. This year, planning was extra difficult as every event had to happen virtually. Over this past week, SAB has put on digital caricatures, virtual bingo, a movie night via Netflix party, a virtual comedy show, and will live stream coronation on Friday. While making events virtual has been a challenge, it seems that students are enjoying this small sense of normalcy. With homecoming losing so many traditions, it's hard not to ask what homecoming will look like in the future. Hopefully soon events like homecoming will be able to continue their long-standing traditions, but for now, all we can do is put our best foot forward and enjoy the ride. That's all on the bulletin board for this week, folks. Make sure to come back next week for more great stories and updates. Remember, if any story interested you and you would like to read more, links to all the articles are in the description. Also, don't forget to go check out more of the great articles that the TAC has to offer. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Beaver Bulletin. I'm your host, Colin Imhoff, and I'll see you next week.